for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Um, I know that most of you, if not all of you, know that my first name is David. I don't know how many of you know my middle name. My middle name is Paul. I am indebted to my parents. My mom is probably going to watch this at some point. Um, I am indebted to my parents for giving me two two such strong names. David, Paul. Think about it. David, one of the greatest men of the Old Testament. Paul, the heavy hitter of the New Testament. I have often said that my goal in life is to only live up to my name. How incredible to be a man after God's own heart and to serve God with an apostolic anointing. That's what I want. So since we're in a series called Bars about prison, passages uh, that take, were written in prison, um, uh, uh, circumstances, situations in prison throughout the Scripture, I had a number of different places I was looking at. I really wanted to preach on the first guy in prison in, in, in the Scriptures. Anybody know who the first guy in prison was? Genesis Latter chapters, Joseph, the first mention of prison. Joseph, I wanted to preach on him. I was going to, I, I love Joseph, and, but I, I, the more I went through and, and just different things and, and something about my name popped up. And so since we're in a series called Bars, I want to focus on Paul this morning because I study Paul a lot. I can't be like somebody I don't know. I look at Paul. I, I study Paul. I memorize. I'm in the process of memorizing the book of Ephesians right now and trying to get it into my soul because I want to know Paul. I want to know how he thinks thinks, how he feels, how he acts, what, how he sleeps. I want to know everything about Paul so I can begin to emulate some of those things. But I'm going to put focus on Paul today because Paul was a prisoner on two levels. He spent time as a Roman prisoner, a lot of time arrested, and, a lot, and, and he spent time as a Roman prisoner. And Paul also, so in the natural, Paul was a prisoner a prisoner of Rome at a time in his life. In the spiritual, he was a prisoner. He claimed to be and called himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe next week, if nothing changes, Pastor Alex will be preaching on the, out of the book of Philemon, a very underpreached book, a very necessary book, but the opening verse of Philemon, Paul identifies him. He says, Paul, an apostle and a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So allow me to read a couple of passages from Paul's writing and to make some brief comments before we head out to lunch today. Amen? I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. This is simply a time where Paul is rehearsing his experiences in life as a follower of Christ. He says this, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been, in, um, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. What a life. 
Now let me read one other verse. This verse actually was written from the Roman prison. Philippians 4, verse 4, a very well-known verse. Paul says, this is toward the end of his life. He's experienced all of these things numerous times. And in Philippians 4, verse 4, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Allow me to pray. Father, as we look into your word, and specifically this morning as we look into the life of the Apostle Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, a man who is an example for us in serving you and following you, Lord, as we look into that, I pray that you will indelibly imprint upon our hearts today the thoughts you have for us. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the many things I've admired about Paul all these years is that no matter the circumstances he finds himself in, he seems to have what I'm going to call a rock-solid attitude. It can be great things happening. It can be uh, 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 horrendous things happening. And he's just got this attitude that keeps him moving forward. This, this, uh, uh, the way he feels, you can just sense it about him, and it's his attitude. And, 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 and attitude is critical. Much has been written about the importance of attitude in making it through life, especially in the difficult seasons and experiences of life, the times we might call a prison times for us. John Maxwell, a Christian leader, leadership development gentleman, John Maxwell writes this, Your attitude is either your best friend or your worst enemy, your greatest asset or your greatest liability. Pastor Chuck Swindoll, longtime president of Dallas Theological Seminary, radio speaker, he wrote this very powerful piece concerning attitude. He says, The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Much shorter and to the point is a quote by one of my favorite authors and my favorite speakers of all time, Zig Ziglar. How can you have a name like Zig Ziglar and not be incredible? He says this, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. Like Zig, he's just, he's incredible. Google him, YouTube him, he's, he's just, you'll, you'll get so much. However, as important as attitude is, the more I study Paul's life and writings, I have found there is something more foundational to his life than his attitude. In fact, I see it as being the thing upon which his attitude is built. And that something is Paul's perspective on life. 
By perspective, I mean the way Paul thinks about and sees life. The older I get, the more I am convinced that nothing is more critical than a person's perspective on life. Chuck Swindoll, I'm going to disagree with Chuck Swindoll. He says, we get to choose our attitude. Yeah, we do to a certain degree, but dude, that takes a lot of energy. When, I, when things are falling down around me and problems are happening and I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make myself feel a certain way, how long can I do that? It just exhausts me. But when I have a certain perspective, the way you've heard the saying, it's a glass half full or glass half empty. That's perspective. The way I see the situations and the way I see or my perspective goes a long way in determining my attitude. And so this morning, I want to look into a few verses. Let me get back to my notes. In my remaining moments, I want to point out, as we look into some verses in the Apostle Paul's life, I want to point out three components that make up Paul's overall perspective of life. My hope and my prayer and this is huge, this is like a reach, that 20 years from now, 20 years from now, you will remember this message. That you, these thoughts will be, in, in, you'll, it, it'll pop back up in your head and you're, oh yeah, it's this. It's, oh yeah. So that, that's, my, that's my hope today. And so because that's my hope, we're going to be really short today. Okay? Hold me to that. Let me don't walk out or nothing, but hold me to that. So I want to point out three components that make up Paul's life, and I want to do that by having a few imaginary conversations with Paul and allow Paul, through his life and writings, to answer a few questions within our conversations. So number one, imagine that you are in the Roman jail cell as Paul is dictating the letter to his friends and the believers in the city of Philippi, and you hear Paul say, you know his background, you know his pedigree, you know his struggles. You hear Paul say, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Paul, how can you... Someone who has been beaten and abandoned, stoned and betrayed, hungry, cold, and naked. How can you utter the words, rejoice in the Lord? And I expect the answer you would receive would be something close to what Paul said to the leaders of the church in the city of Ephesus when he told them in Acts 20. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Or perhaps he would tell us what he told the believers in the region of Galatia when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, what are you saying? It's simple. Paul's perspective is this. It's not about me. It's about him. Read Paul's writings. 
He saw the world through that lens, through that pair of glasses. When all this was going on, his attitude could remain rock solid because he looked at the whole situation in his heart and mind. He sees the situation as, wait, why are you struggling? Why are you thinking I should be struggling? It's, you, you think, no, no, it's not about me. It's about him. If I can adopt that attitude, that mentality, that perspective, it's not an attitude, it is a perspective. Paul, what are you saying? It's not about me. It's about him. Component number two, imagine you are Silas, Paul's traveling companion, in Acts chapter 16, in the city of Philippi. You are standing by Paul's side when he commands the evil spirit to come out of the slave girl, and, and, which in turn infuriates the slave girl's owners because she can no longer tell the future and she can no longer make them money. To your shock and horror in their anger, they snatch Paul up and you too. And they grab both of you, turn you over to the officials you have been, who, 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 um, who have you stripped naked, beaten with rods, put in chains, thrown into the inner dungeon of the prison, the place reserved for the worst of the worst. You are there with Paul. About midnight, as your body throbs with the beating, but from the beating and your ankles and your wrists are inflamed from the shackles, Paul turns to you and says, hey, we should pray and sing a few hymns and worship to God. Let me read to you the actual account in Acts 16. When her owners, meaning the slave girl, realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been flogged severely, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully when he received these orders he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them you're Silas and you ask Paul when he makes that request, can we pray and sing for a little while? It's about midnight. And you ask Paul, how can you have such a rock-solid attitude? Paul, I'm dying here. How can you have such a rock-solid attitude that allows you to pray and worship at a time like this? Paul simply locks eyes with you. And then he looks past you to all the other prisoners. And then he looks past the prisoners to the very jailer himself. And then without even looking at you, he says, because Silas, it's not about us. It's about them. It's not about us, what we're going through, what we're enduring, how we're being mistreated, what kind of injustice is happening. It's not about us. It's about them. Church, we live in a culture where there's going to become more and more attack. My wife and I, in the final seasons of our life, season of our life, we feel a distinct calling of God to be a part of pre the preparation of the church and of disciples to live and work in a culture that is currently resistant to the gospel and increasingly hostile to the gospel. 
It's going to get worse. More is going to be coming. And we are praying and preparing. We are working with uh, uh, creating organizations that are going to be able to continue the gospel no matter what happens in this world. And our base mentality is this. They took our building. They shut down our worship. They made us do this. Or they wouldn't let us do that. Our whole response is simply this. Not about us. Not about our buildings, not about our worship, not about what I like, what I do. It's not about us, it's about them. How do we live our lives in such a way knowing that it's about them? The fights, the, the, not the, the, uh, the battles. It's one of my struggles on social media and even in talking with people. Even with myself, I find myself getting in, you know, in, in uh, like really, I'm gonna, that's going to be the battle I pick. Really, that's going to be the contentious conversation I'm going to have? Because when, when, that's really, honestly, that is about us. And Paul would say, dude, you're way off. Because the gospel, the gospel is not about us as followers and believers of Christ. We are in the ark of safety. We have received the ministry of reconciliation. It's God is working through us to call the rest of the world to his saving faith and saving grace. It's not about us. It's about them. It's the same sentiment that Paul expresses in Romans 1 when he says this, I am obligated both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, to the wise and to the foolish, meaning everyone. Okay, Paul, I get it. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about them. I get that. But still, we have to live in the present day, moment by moment, struggles that are happening. We have to deal with problems and obstacles, opposition and persecution that comes from following Christ. Paul, Paul it's, it's, it, I can just see Paul as he slightly tilts his head, takes a deep breath, and then quotes his own words written to the disciples, the followers of Christ in Corinth when he says, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary afflictions, that's how Paul describes his life, our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporal and what is unseen is eternal. And when we've taken that in, Paul goes on to share with us what he wrote to the believers in Rome. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is Paul saying? The third component simply stated is this. It's not about now. It's about then. It's not about this moment and what I'm enduring now and the decisions I have to make now. It's about then. And so I'm sowing seed. I'm living life. I'm making choices, knowing that today is today and today will be gone as fast as it arrived. And it's not all about today. Yes, I want to maximize today. Yes, I want to squeeze from this day all that it holds in the coming of God's kingdom and the accomplishing of God's will. But I know ultimately, no matter what happens in this day, it's not about now. It's about then. And we are laying up for ourselves treasures. Not that I may have the treasure, 
but that I may have treasure to lay at the feet of Jesus. He's the one that I love. He's the one that I want to please. He's the one I want to make proud, as any son does a father, or any younger brother does an older brother. Paul's perspective, he carried through prison, through arrest, through shipwreck, through all the things that he went through, can summed up in these three brief statements. And I submit to us today that whatever we encounter moving forward, if you want to have an attitude that glorifies God and carries you through, and that reflects the strength and the wisdom of God to the world around you, I suggest you memorize these three things and you get them in your soul out of, not because I'm saying it, but because, and you can, I just picked out selective passages out of Paul's life and out of his writings. There are tons more. In fact, all of his writings reflect these same things. You can't find anywhere where Paul thinks it's about him. You can't find anywhere where it's about us in the gospel. You can't find anywhere where Paul's worried about this moment. He doesn't care he's in prison. It's not about that moment. It's the future. My challenge is for you to read over and study through Paul's experiences and find things that, that validate and, and, and um, uh, what's the right word, um, reinforce what I've said today in his writings. And you will find those three, three perspectives. It's not about me. It's about him. That will carry you a long way. It's not about us, church family. It's about them. It's not about now. It's about then. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That though we are creatures of time and we are creatures of circumstances, we've said it earlier, Lord, that um, we're so much not in control of what goes in on, in, and around our lives. We are so grateful today that we are not the center of the universe. We are so grateful today, Lord, that we are just supporting characters in a drama that you are unfolding in the universe. Lord, not just on this planet, but your word says that you are showing the manifold wisdom of God in the heavenly realms in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. That what's playing out here is displaying your glory. Father, I pray and I request, I want, I desire for all of us here that we would be able to live life to some degree with the attitude of the apostle. That no matter what comes our way, we keep putting one foot ahead of the others. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we have to work. Yes, it's a challenge. But Lord, we set back and we say, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about now. Give us that other world perspective. Church family, as the music plays just for a moment, 
not going to really have a response time, so to speak, but I want you to just to take a couple of moments and think about life now. Like, like what all is, is going on in your life and your, your experiences, your relationships, your world, whatever you want to call that. Because we're all struggling with some, some every, life is a struggle. Good days have struggles. But I want you to just take a moment, think about your life and these three statements. It's not about me, it's about him. It's not about us, it's about them. It's not about now, it's about then. And apply that perspective to your situation and see if it doesn't naturally elevate your attitude. The way you feel about life in general will shift. A systemic change will happen. And the more you ruminate, the more you rest on these perspectives, the more you will see that attitude level being something that is your best friend and your greatest asset that will determine your altitude as Zig Ziglar said and you will walk tall and you will walk strong and your head will be right where it needs to be regardless of the circumstances your attitude will be what it needs to be because our perspective is based upon the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about the world we live in. It's all about the future God has called us to, that we will be for the praise of his glory. I love you all. I appreciate you all. I'm going to ask Pastor Alex to, to come back and make sure to talk to... Make sure this week, today's the day of travel for Pastor Kevin and his family, and they're on vacation for a week. They'll be back in town next Sunday night, but uh, pastor's vacations are important, um, as are yours, to rest and restore and recalibrate, and so pray for your pastor. Um, he's actually on vacation with another pastor here in, in, in the city, pastor at Grace Point Assembly, uh, Grace Point Church out in Lee Summit, Pastor Fel Bagunu and his family. What a great thing. you got two pastors on vacation, love each other, love their families. Um, so be praying for both your pastor and for Grace Point Church and for their pastor. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.